Merry Christmas! I'm Brenton Powers, and you're listening to a special episode of Dwell on Truth. I've condensed our two hours on the Flight 1080 show from Monday to give you highlights from our last visit to KSCO Studios with Dave Michaels, Kevin Hurley, Daniel Bodwin, and callers. So enjoy, and if you'd like to give a year-end gift to Daniel's or my fund at Open Air Campaigners. You can go to oacnorcal.org slash give. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Kevin Hurley. Merry Christmas, Dave. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Good seeing you. Good to see you. And we have joining us, Kevin, to help us celebrate this season. The reason for this season is our good friends, Brenton Powers. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Daniel, Merry Christmas to you. Yes, thanks for having us. Always a pleasure. Where do we start off, you guys? First of all, thank you for joining us, and and I'm really, really happy that you're here to join us for one of our last shows, uh, maybe our last show together here on Our last one together with the three of us. Right. Or four of us. Four of us. Four of us, yes. Right. When is actually the last show? Do you know? Friday before New Year's? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the last day of the last weekday, I think, is December 30th. Yeah. I've been emotional <laughs> thinking about the, the end of things as we know it, but I don't want to start out on a sad note. Yeah, let's not start this off. Is there. The, this is the season of joy as well. It so is. That's, it that's is good indeed. emotion. Where do we start off? Well, I suggested the 12 days of Christmas because, you know, when I'm doing research, I try to come up with things that I can put up on my paint board that will grab people's attention and allow us to have a good conversation. And going through Christmas symbolism, and I went through the 12 days of Christmas. Hmm. What is interesting is each one of those 12 numbers, it's like, it sounds like a weird song when you just listen to it. Why is he singing about all these things? I've never liked they? that song. <laughs> <laughs> it's very repetitive, and it, just, it always drove yeah. me crazy. What's cool is each one of those numbers actually has a symbolic meaning to it. Each one of those verses has a meaning. Really? And yeah, it was actually put together a, a couple hundred years ago, I think, and it was a way to teach people truths about Christianity and the Bible, you know, for people that may not be able to read it. For the, I mean, you think about it, when you go to these old churches, particularly Catholic churches, you, you, there's all kinds of stained glass in churches is because there were non-readers that would come in. How could you kind of connect them with the stories from the Bible? So you got these beautiful scenes that are oh, up in the glass. Okay on the side of the church. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But I went through the 12 days of Christmas, and each one has a meaning. So starting with the uh, 12 drummers drumming actually stands for 12 points of doctrine in, in what is called the Apostles' Creed, something used by the Catholic Church, but we would agree with most of it too. 11 pipers piping stands for the 11 disciples, minus Judas, who went and hung himself after he betrayed Jesus. 10 lords a-leaping stands for the 10 commandments. Um, nine ladies dancing is the nine fruit of the spirit, fruits of the spirit rather. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The eight maids of milking, that actually stands for the, or reminds us of the eight blessings given by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, when he was talking, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth, etc. Apparently, milkmaids were like just about the lowliest job that you could have when this song was written. So it was kind of a reminder that that uh, Christ came for those, the lowly, as well as for the wealthy, you know, the lowest people. Seven swans of swimming was the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Six geese a laying is the six days of creation. Five gold rings, 
the five books of the of Moses, mm-hmm. um, four calling birds, the four gospels, three French hens, faith, hope, and love, two turtle doves, the old and the New Testament, and the partridge in the pear tree stands for Jesus. And they use the partridge because apparently the partridge is the one bird that will die to protect its young. And Jesus died for his children. Pretty cool. Really? No other bird will die for its young? Apparently. I mean, I haven't looked up and researched that, but at least that was the thought process in the minds of the people that wrote the song. Kind of cool. So all of these things, tremendous Christian symbolism in this stuff that's almost a throwaway tradition, because you're right, it's a big, long song, and it's kind of hard to listen to it. Nobody remembers all the verses, except Nobody for me, does. apparently, because I, so I could share this stuff. Well, then, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. To you, Brenton, Merry and you, Daniel, and Kevin, Merry, yeah, Christmas, Merry Christmas, and everybody yeah. else out there. Merry and a partridge in a pear tree. And yes. a partridge in a pear tree. You learn something new every day. There you go. It's, it's fun. And there's a lot of traditions and symbolism around Christmas, I think more than any other season, mm-hmm. that has such rich meaning behind it. It's so cool. I've got a fun fact. What is it? Many of you know I lived in Latvia for mm-hmm. six years, mm-hmm. and a lot of people think that the first Christmas tree came from Martin Luther in northern Germany when he saw the sparkling snow on an evergreen tree, decided to cut it down and bring it in for decoration. Uh, but that would be the 1600s. Yeah, it would uh, be. And that's, uh, there's, it's surrounded with a lot of folklore. Mm-hmm. But according to my Latvian people, I'm not Latvian, but I love the people there and the history, and, and they actually have a story dating back to 1510 A.D. of the first evergreen cut down and decorated for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Nice. So yeah. they claim, and I believe it, that mm-hmm. the first ever historical Christmas tree was in Latvia. And then it got spread to someone brought one to the Queen of England, and, and yeah. they liked it, and so it started to spread from there. That's when it started becoming popular, Queen Victoria. Yeah. Now, Kevin, I heard a story today that said there was like 121 million trees, some kind of ridiculous number of trees are cut down every year for Christmas. Yes, that's probably true. Doesn't that make you feel like, you don't you think maybe we could use those trees? That it might be a good <laughs> idea to not cut those trees down. Well, those trees, that, those are tree farms, and they actually... But, yeah, I, yeah, I know, but they would still grow to be you know big trees, and we could use more trees. We could use well, that. You, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can you know grow and grow. You know, if you want to let them grow for another 50 years, and get lumber out of do you, them. Do you think it's time to get rid of the Christmas tree tradition? No. No, no definitely not. It's it's part of our heritage, it's part of our spirit. What about you guys? Well, I think it's like so many other things, if we look at it correctly. I mean, it's as he said, it's there are Christmas tree farms primarily. This mm-hmm. is something that's sustainable. Wood is a renewable resource. If we were going down and cutting down whole forests so that we could put Christmas trees in people's houses, yeah, I would have a problem with that too. But it, since they're at a farm, you know. Cutting down Christmas trees, Brenton, is not a real big part of Christmas, right? It's been a part of my whole Christmas experience my whole life, so we'll probably keep yeah. getting oh, sure. our, me, uh, me too, dude. I'm going to oh, keep yeah, sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But what do you... I mean, when I teach... Jeez, I'm, I'm not even the... When you guys teach your kids about mm-hmm. Christmas, you're not teaching them about the tree. No. Right? I mean, the tree probably doesn't even come into the conversation of what Christmas is about. The well, tree is very superficial. It depends on what meanings you pour into it. Because, I mean, the, the evergreen tree, the idea of the evergreen is can symbolize, you know, the eternal life of God. You know, the star at the top of the tree um, represents the star that went before Jesus to the place that he was born and led the Magi there. On our tree, we not only have the star at the top, but we have the star and then we have a crown of thorns right below that. Hmm. So we memorialize Jesus, God's eternity, we memorialize his birth, and we memorialize his death. 
So, so many of these symbols that we use around holidays, but particularly Christmas, it matters what you pour into them and how you choose to celebrate. Mm -hmm. What do you choose to celebrate during this time of year? We choose to celebrate Jesus Christ. And I think that there's nothing more and more valuable than that. Different people celebrate different things. I mean, part of it has to do with your your experience and background and culture. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, in the West, what do we celebrate largely? Pleasure and consumerism, because that's the West, you know, but we also have that little background of of family and faith that's still there that is traditional to to the West, to the United States in particular, so that's there as well. So some people are going to celebrate just the consumerism part of it. Some people who are haters of God, I hate to put it that way, but they are out there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) We may have one or two call in today. (laughs) They still like nice stuff. They still like pleasure, so they still celebrate that part of the season. And they often make a point of trying to destroy the Christian part of it by saying, ah, it's all paganism and we shouldn't do anything with that. And it's really a time where we can examine what's most important to us and what our priorities are and what we should celebrate. Does it even matter that Jesus was most likely not born in December? <gasps> he wasn't? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, you're that, right. It's probably okay. not no, in the probably dead of not. winter that right. the shepherds were guarding their sheep at night. Yes. I don't think it matters. There are different convictions we we're talking about. Some people have different convictions, meaning they're convinced that every day is alike. Some people they want to celebrate the traditional holidays that the church has celebrated for millennia. Others Uh, They may want to go to church on Sunday or go to church on Saturday or not go to church at all. The Bible says, let each person be fully convinced in his own mind what holidays you celebrate, and we shouldn't judge one another based on those things. We have our convictions. I always go to church Sundays. A lot of churches are offering abbreviated church services, like one hour long instead of an hour and a half or an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah. So you could still celebrate with your family, but that's all part of the tradition and the nostalgia, I think, is helpful for the human race. You know, when God sent Israel into the promised land, he parted the waters of the Jordan, and he said, take 12 stones out of the Jordan, stack them up, and let this be a memorial for you and your children and their children. So when they see those stones stacked up, they'll Mm -hmm. ask, what are these here for? That gives you the opportunity to tell the story. Well, this is the time that God rescued us and brought us into our land. And having a tree in the living room, bring it full circle to the question you asked. Mm -hmm. We have pictures of different years of our lives. We have different ornaments on there that remind us of different things that God has done in our lives. Yeah, the Christmas tree reminds me now more of Latvia, but the evergreen tree, everlasting life. There's nothing more important than making sure that you go into heaven after you die. Yeah. So uh, the reason for the season, what what is the reason for the season? I, I know it's about the birth of baby Jesus. Yes, it is started in the manger, but after that he lived the perfect life we should have lived and died the death that we deserved on a cross and shed his blood so we wouldn't have to shed ours and then rose again, proving that he was who he claimed to be. And now he is our one way to right relationship with God through repentance and faith. So Christmas is a a starting point, but it should remind us of everything that's Mm -hmm. involved in the life of Jesus and our relationship with him. So yeah, it's a good thing. My grandfather used to remind us, hey, we're going to read Luke chapter 2 before you open your presents, because the reason for Christmas is not just to get stuff. Amen. 
but the reason is to celebrate someone's birthday. Mm. And I remember to this day just how big of an importance he placed on this because we all wanted to open our presents. And our aunts and uncles were like, oh, let the kids have their fun. He's like, no, this is fun. This is really meaningful. And if I don't yeah. uh, reinforce this tradition of mm -hmm. putting Christ first above stuff, then we do run the risk of making an idol out of the stuff or yeah. out, out of the tree. So on Christmas, we celebrate I don't know if, if you guys understand the heaviness of this, or maybe I don't. I'm sure it's probably my lack of appreciation that if there is a God, this omnipotent being, yes, mm -hmm. yeah, that, that, put us, that, that controls everything, he put his son down here on earth, mm -hmm. which is it's incredible, right? I mean, Amazing. It, 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 that, that's unbelievable that the son of God was here walking around 2,000 plus years ago. And made the the uh, the difference that he did in in the world. Yeah, he was here. God put His Son here to suffer and to go through all this stuff for the world, for everybody. Yes, it is. That's, really that's heavy. I mean, that is super duper heavy. That's a and, and, good and, way of putting it. And Dave, you, in your own words, if if you have a chance to to sit there and, and think about anything this Christmas and yeah, having fun, whatever mm -hmm. it means to you. But if you get a chance to to think about that, and how heavy it is, whether you believe. In God or not, maybe even people who believe in God don't sit there and really just realize just how mm -hmm. heavy that is. Yeah, that is major. That's major stuff, dude. Wow. Yeah. He didn't. He's not a God that's far off in some other galaxy that doesn't care about us. But he's a God that humbles himself, comes down to dwell among us. I always quote this verse when I'm here and on the streets. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. So that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life and wouldn't perish. That's an amazing love. He could have judged us and just squished us like a bug, but he gave us the best gift that he could have given us, his own son. And Jesus offered his life. No one takes my life from me, Jesus said. I lay it down for the sin of the world. Yeah. So speaking of giving gifts for Christmas, what greater gift can God give than his own son? And if he didn't spare his own son, the Bible says, will he not freely also with him give us all things that we need? Yeah. If I could read just two short passages sure. that I think emphasize exactly what you said, Dave. And the first one is from Hebrews chapter 1. And in talking about Jesus, it said, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. That's who we're talking about coming and being born as a baby. That's Hebrews. And then it says in Philippians chapter 2, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross two passages together that's just wow talking with somebody about my faith lack thereof or pursuit thereof <laughs> and they said something about calvinism mm -hmm. i said calvinism and i go my friend daniel knows about yes. calvinism and if i remember correctly you guys described as daniel being more calvinism type thoughts and brenton thinking some other school of thought Am I correct? Do I remember that correctly? You are correct. Yeah, Can we I, talk a little bit about that be before before the show's over? Sure. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We Sounds don't have good. many shows left. As a matter of fact, this might be our last show together. Flinks is calling from Aptos. You're in the air, Flinks. I had a question. It's kind of bizarre, and that's too bad that this is the last. No, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you'll have these guys on your, these wonderful people on your uh, podcast maybe or something. I don't know. Yeah, we already um, offered to Dave to be on our podcast, the Dwell on Truth show. My question, and I hope this doesn't sound sacrilegious, 
religious or like blasphemous or anything, but like, where did God come from? Like something had to happen where God was born. Like where, like, if, was he a living entity? Because he made us to in his likeness. So if we're like God, then we have things, you know, we're our bodies or whatever. So we have made in his likeness. Is there any inkling that you guys know of that where God comes from? Like, that's where I kind of get lost. I'm like, wait a minute, someone must have, uh, the universe started. Maybe it's not really a physical being that God is. Maybe God isn't really a physical being. I don't know. Uh, that would be correct. Is, no, that okay. would be correct. He's not a physical being. He's a spiritual being. And part of the definition of the word God in the Christian view is that he is the uncreated creator of everything that exists. I now, think you had a, a whole, verse connected with that, right, Brian? Right. Mm-hmm. My last thing, in the whole universe, is that the only spiritual entity that's ever been created? Um, are there other spiritual entities out there, do you think, or is it just God? It's a good question, and I'm going to answer from a Christmas scripture. Actually, we have a a prophecy from Micah 5.2 says, But you, O Bethlehem, are, are too little among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler of Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Other translations say, whose goings forth are from everlasting So the Bible teaches that God, okay, it's hard to grasp. We have a beginning point in time. You follow that out, we, our souls will go on forever. We have no end. But God has no beginning or no end. He comes from everlasting past. He's the only one who's like this because he is the creator. And logically, it's a, it's a good logical question that my kids asked Mm -hmm. as soon as Mm -hmm. I talked about, you know, everything that that began to exist had to have a cause then the question is well where what caused god well god didn't begin to exist so he didn't need to have a cause but that could be my because when i interpret god and you guys said that's kind of the wrong way to look at it is nature and stuff i see nature and i think of god and i feel god in nature like the mountains and the sierras and like when you're camping or you see a river i really feel god in that i feel like but you're saying god isn't that but maybe his spirit is there in some form or some fashion i don't know what you're on the, I always thought the earth, yeah. the earth seems godly to me. The earth itself so, seems godly. So you have to keep thank our... Thank you for your call, Flinks. Yeah, thanks, Flinks. So we need to keep the categories separate between creator and creation. Yes. The creator is not a created being. He's the creator of all things that began to exist. So, it, the, however, the, the Bible does say that the heavens declare the glory of God. The earth is his handiwork. Amen. And we're yes, made indeed. in the image of God. So we have eternity in our hearts, but we are not God. We're not the creator. And although we're made in his likeness, in, in his image, there's certain things about God that we will never touch. We will never be, or, and we, we have never been a God or have those characteristics. He's immaterial. He's, he's internal. He mm-hmm. is all-powerful, all-loving, all of those omnis that we are not. So would it be fair to say that we were made in his likeness and not in his exactness? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a great... I need to write and that then, down, and, Dave. And, <laughs> and then, you know... It's a good way of putting it. When you it. look at, you know, Mother Nature and you and let's say somebody sees God in, in the mountains and the trees and all that, and that's a good way to put it. Would it be splitting hairs to say... Would it be fair to say that... That is evidence of God rather than God Himself. What, oh, you're, yeah. look, what you're looking at is is your interpret. It is evidence to you 
Dave. And, and you're, you might not acknowledge it that way, but it is, it is what you are taking in as evidence of God, not God itself. And, and it might be kind of splitting hairs. It might matter to him mm-hmm. the same. You know, it might be the same thing, but it's not. It's, it's evidence. evidence of God. Oh, it absolutely is. Yeah, I mean, we, we see God in his creation, like, like you quoted the, those verses, Brenton. But, yeah, the, it tells us something about God, little bits at least, you and, know, about his, his, how amazing he is and how creative and, and just the, the fact that we can appreciate beauty as a gift from God. And I have a story, it's going to have to wait till the other side, I think, okay. where it's, uh, someone important to me changed their mind about the existence of God. I have to tell you that Good story. for you, Brenton. All right, dude, I look forward to that. This is KSEO Santa Cruz. We're going to break for headlines. We're hanging out with Kevin Hurley, uh, Brenton Powers, Daniel Bodwin. You can find out more about these guys at dwellontruth.org. Okay. You're listening to AM 1080 KSEO Santa Cruz. We're trying to get in the Christmas spirit here if Kevin Hurley would only let us Christmas. No, uh, Kevin. come on. I'm not the humbug. <laughs> <laughs> you digging the show so far, Kevin? Yeah. Anything you want to say? No, it's very interesting. A lot of the facts these, you guys are coming up with is great. These guys are really good, dude. Yeah. These guys are really good. Always good to have these guys on board. And by these guys, I mean Brenton Powers and Daniel Bodwin. Gentlemen, thank you again for joining us. Okay. You're welcome. Thanks uh, for the kind words. I appreciate it. Oh, Dwellontruth.org yep. is where you can find their podcasts, and those are excellent shows, too. We're going to keep it going, too, in the new year. I uh, don't know exact format. Maybe. Maybe yeah. we'll, we'll mix it up and mm-hmm. do some yeah. things if we're not limited to the 54 exact minutes yeah. that we have for radio time. We'll probably do some more YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. So subscribe, stay connected. And yeah. we're also connected with several local churches. We'd love to meet people face-to-face. Calvary Chapel Monterey, and you're welcome to come there. Calvary Chapel Capitola. Yeah. And uh, I'd love to meet people in Salinas. Probably going to organize a small group of people that are listeners and um, a meetup uh, Kevin, after the new year. Is your church doing anything for Christmas, Kevin? Uh, yeah, they're, they're having a, a Christmas Day service. Do you guys ever go caroling, Kevin? They used to a long time ago. They haven't done that in a yeah. while. I mean, have wow. you ever done it? I, I did a long yeah. time ago. I've really? Done, I like doing it. I would love do to go? do that. That yeah. would be fun. I would even more love for them to come up to the house and carol out in front. That would uh-huh. be great. Yeah. Give me your address. I'll, I'll come. I don't think many people <laughs> go in my neighborhood. <laughs> I like to bring Maybe. my guitar out. This last weekend on Saturday, I went out into a neighborhood in Yuba City mm-hmm. and just brought my guitar out to a, kind of a poor neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And, and they we, stole it. And I got beat up. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had a great time. We Our, our church <laughs> gathered a bunch of volunteers. We made hot pancakes and coffee and cocoa and we actually wrapped about 200 presents and wrote on there if it's for a boy or girl what age group and we just i brought my guitar in the neighborhood said hey christmas has come early come and get your free presents and pancakes and love and we just shared the the love and truth of jesus with the neighborhood you know i wonder let me ask you daniel and i don't know if you're qualified answers i don't know anybody is do you think it's harder to follow God if you grow up in a poor neighborhood or a rich neighborhood? I would say it's probably harder to follow God if you grow up in a rich neighborhood. I have to agree with that. Yeah, mm. and I'll tell you why. I mean, it's... That's... that's inter- yeah. yeah. Well, one of the things that I've done in ministry for a lot of years off and on is is shopping center ministry. I think I've told you before, my background professionally is as a security director in some of the biggest malls in Northern California. Mm-hmm. And I've also done outreach at different malls. Um, and... There were kind of three that I did. I won't name them, but one was a really high 
high-end mall. Mm-hmm. One was kind of like a middle-class mall, and the third one was kind of like a lower-class, more blue-collar outlet mall. You go to the high-class mall, mm. and n- almost nobody wants to stop and talk with you because they think they got everything figured out. Hey, my life is perfect. I got money. I got a car. I got a good job. You know, I, I don't need this God stuff. I can solve the, everything on my own. The middle class is pretty good. You get some people stop and talk, and particularly a lot of teenagers. And teenagers these days particularly, have a lot of them haven't been raised with any kind of spiritual background at all, and they just want to know something, and they have lots of questions. You go to the blue-collar mall, um, a lot of people that are lower income and and hey blue collar isn't necessarily lower income but people that are struggling a little bit know they have problems and know they need help so you go to a uh, like a, an outlet mall everybody's taking a gospel tract <laughs> you know and mm-hmm. i think it's i think when you when you're too prosperous your pride gets in your way and the pride is like the cardinal sin i mean it causes so many other so many other sins grow out of pride so yeah, I think it's easier because you know you have a problem if you low up, if you grow up in a worse neighborhood. I like to answer questions from the Bible. Jesus said it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's true. Just as hard as it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. It's impossible unless God does a work and changes their hearts. Yep. And the other scripture is in James it says, Has not God chosen the poor to be rich in faith? And yet the rich so often oppress the poor. So but that's not a absolute thing. I know rich people that love Jesus and use oh, yeah, their riches absolutely. for for goodness sake. Mm-hmm. And then I know poor people that, although they're poor, it doesn't mean they're rich in faith. It means for them, it means they wish they were rich and they're trying every get rich scheme in the world. You can have covetous, greedy people who are poor and rich, mm-hmm. and you could have people of faith who are poor and rich. And that's one of the beautiful things in the church if you go, as you mm-hmm. see people from all different classes or strata of economic mm-hmm. and, and different cultural backgrounds. If it's the right kind of church, yeah. I want to take a phone call, and we'll uh, run a quick break, and then we'll be back to uh, finish off another half hour. Let's get to some phone calls, yes? Yeah. Larry calling from La Selva Beach. You're in the air. Uh, you have something to say about the eye of the needle? Well, I've been a Christian for the last 50 of my 70 years. Uh, the eye of the needle verse has been explained to me that the eye of the needle is actually a name of one of the gates in the walls of Jerusalem where Jesus was preaching at that time. And why it's called that is because it's a very short, small gate that you have to get off your camel and bend over and humbly come in. And that kind of fits with more reality than saying that somebody has to go through a normal eye of the needle. And the name of the gate is that, actually. Thank you for the call, Larry. You guys want to respond? We have less than a minute. I've been to Israel. I've toured the gates. There is no such thing if you ask any Israel guide, where's the eye of the needle? They'll say that was a story made up. So in reality, there was no eye of the needle. Jesus was being funny when he said, imagine squeezing a camel through the eye of a needle, like a literal needle. And the disciples got it. They said, well, then how can anyone be saved? They got the message. It's impossible to squeeze a camel through. You can make it maybe camel spaghetti or something through that. But uh, <laughs> Jesus was being funny. Merry Christmas. I'm Brenton Powers, and you're listening to a special episode of Dwell on Truth from Monday to give you highlights from our last visit to KSCO Studios with Dave Michaels, Kevin Hurley, Daniel Bodwin, and callers. So enjoy. And if you'd like to give a year-end gift to Daniel's or my fund at Open Air Campaigners, go to oacnorcal.org slash give. Merry Christmas. Uh, before we get too far, I want to hear your story, Brenton. Okay, so this is 
I, I can't believe it myself, but many of you know, I, one reason why I'm so passionate about sharing Jesus with people who don't know him hmm. is because my stepdad and my sister have been very closed to the idea that God exists. Mm-hmm. For the last 28 years, I've been praying for them that one of them or both of them would come to faith in God and, and personally faith in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Well, this this last week, I, I talked to my stepdad and he said, you know what? I'm not an atheist anymore. And you know what? I'm, I never really was an atheist. All of us atheists know that there is a God and that's why we're fighting against him. <laughs> Exactly. He said, there are no atheists. You've heard the saying, there are no atheists in foxholes, but he's like, I'm here to tell you atheists don't exist. And I was like, what? I can't believe you're saying this because you're the one that told me when I was a new believer, there is no God. And if there is a God, it's not the God of the Bible. So which God do you believe in now? He's like, I don't know. The God that exists. We all. So I was like, what? So that was interesting, and it kind of bears witness with what the Bible says in Romans 1. What can be known about God is evident to people Mm -hmm. through creation. And I was like, wow, so then what are you going to do about that? He's like, well, I've already done something about it. It's obvious if there is a God, then I need to have peace with him. And I said, how do you make peace with God? He said, that answer is obvious too. Surrender. Mm -hmm. Just surrender. And he said a prayer similar to, like, God, if you're there. But he said, God, I know you're there, and here I am. I'm a, in his words, I'm a slow train wreck. <laughs> you know, he he thought he might have cancer. This kind of made him think through his position. Also, the going through the pandemic, seeing all the evil, mm. people trying to control things that uh, he's real in, uh, against. And he recognizes that is evil, and evil only exists if there is such a thing as true goodness. And so these things put together helped him to be convinced and able to say, there is a God, and I want to surrender to him, and I want to know him more. Mm. That's great, Brenton. That's your... (laughs) your, uh... That's my stepdad. Your stepdad. Yeah, I've been praying for him for 28 years. And then I called my sister, who's the most antagonistic atheist ever. Uh-huh, right. And I told her this, and she's like, well, good for him. Who knows? Maybe on my deathbed, I'll, I'll become a Christian, too. And why fight it? And I was like, what? Is this my sister? How can you just flip like that? I've been waiting for this for 25 years. That's great, dude. So it's like uh, there's reconciliation in our family happening, and... Yeah, it's just it's it's an amazing it's another reason why I'm so emotional and sentimental about Christmas because mm. it really brings families together. It mm. does, and uh, so I'm just thankful for this opportunity to be on the radio as well. I think God used this. My sister called in one time and used yes, to yeah, talk right. with you that's and right. and Jack at the uh-huh. time, and um, you know she, she had nothing. I don't think she had any arguments against Christianity except it changed me, but it changed me for the better. Right. So she sees that and. Yeah, so not to get too personal, but that, that that's a really, uh, it, it gives me hope because mm-hmm. if they can change, you could change. And <laughs> I'm speaking to everybody when I say that. And I, I think when people say, oh, where's the proof of God? It's not that they need proof. It's that there's a resistance in our hearts. It's a rebel factory in our hearts, and we want to be God. Yeah. But yeah, that's yeah. An even more of the reason why my stepdad said people wouldn't want to be God unless they knew that there was a God. Um, you know, a, a rebel factory, idol factory, a, a, yeah. an idol factory. Yeah. Um, John Calvin said that. Speaking of Calvinism earlier, <laughs> right? We were talking about Calvinism. You I want to. Ta- I want to talk with you about Calvinism and pride because you mentioned pride 
uh, Daniel, and I don't remember I did. how in what context you mentioned it, but it's always been an intriguing sin, because that's one of the seven deadly sins, yes? Well, the seven deadly sins, sins is a Catholic thing, not something that oh, we okay. usually subscribe to, but it's a big one. Okay. It is a big one. I think we were talking about, you, you had asked um, what kind of a neighborhood, rich versus poor, yeah. makes it more difficult to be a Christian. And I said, it's probably more difficult in coming from a rich background because of the pride issue, mm. you know? So, yeah, and I, I do believe that that's the case. It is, I, I'll often say when I'm on the street, you know, that pride, I think, is maybe one of the first, if not the first, sin. If you look at why Satan was kicked out of heaven, this beautiful angel mm-hmm. who was designed in some sense to worship God, that wasn't enough for him. He wanted the throne for himself. He got kicked out. At, and then he goes to the garden and talks to Adam and Eve, and he plays on their pride. Mm-hmm. You know, no, I can't. we can't eat this from this tree or even touch it or we'll die. Oh, no, you won't surely die, but your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God's knowing good and evil. Mm-hmm. So, and then Eve looked at it and said, you know, this it looks good to eat. It's good to make me wise. I think I'm going to go ahead and eat it. And then she gave it to her husband. And so, so yeah, pride is a is a huge thing. It, it gets in people's way crazy. Yeah. What, what are some of the pitfalls of pride? What are some of the things that we need to watch for? And maybe um, when we see that situation, we will think, Am I, is my pride going to cause me to do something that would not be healthy? What, what are some of the things that we need to watch out for when pride is being tested? I think some of the dangers from pride are, are obvious when someone doesn't want to be corrected right? Mm. Don't tell me I need to go 65 miles an hour down this uh, curvy lane in the rain at night. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll drive as fast as I want to. Right. Like, like pride comes, bef- you've heard the proverb, pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. We usually shorten it to as pride comes before the fall. But it is, it is the downfall of many people. I mm-hmm. think uh, that hubris and the, the pride of, of a man that it's, it's not attractive. Mm-hmm. It's, not, no, it's, it's not. not endearing. And it, it leads to just all kinds of problems. Um, you know, the, there's the whole self-esteem movement we were raised on to think, you know, you got you to think highly of yourself. Well, the Bible doesn't teach that you should think too highly of yourself. It says, if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Uh, on the other hand, you know, we shouldn't think too lowly of ourselves either. So we should, the Bible says you should esteem yourself according to reality, what you've done and who, who you are, not according to what you wish you would be or you want others to think you are. So the a proper self-esteem is good, but not too high. That's pride. Mm. Too low, maybe a false humility, like, oh, woe is me. I don't need anything. Sometimes we, in our pride, we can act too humble. But I think the balance is God has, going back to what we said earlier, God mm-hmm. created us in his image, and that's where we should get our value, our dignity, and our worth. But whenever we try to supplant God's place on the throne and be in control of our own lives, then we're attempting to dethrone God and creating a war between us and God, and that mm-hmm. we're not going to win that war. I mean, Jesus gave the ultimate example of humility when he chose to step down from heaven, be born as a baby, and live as a human being, even though he never ceased being God. But, he, yeah, yeah, that's the amazing thing. He was equal with God, according to that verse. Mm-hmm. Being equal with God, yet he humbled himself to the lowest position. Mm-hmm. So if he humbled himself being God, how much more should we humble ourselves just exactly, being people? Exactly. If Jesus came down today, what would be his biggest problem with the teachings of the of Christianity? Yeah. And uh, that, that answer you gave was really, really 
really interesting, but there are problems with the church. I'm, I'm sure that there are some things that are not being taught properly, right, that Jesus would yeah. be upset with. I, I think it's the lukewarm church, the church Explain that, that. Explain that. Well, the church that wants to kind of play both sides of the fence, ah. that wants to be accepting of everybody, and they're accepting by every, of everybody by compromising what the Bible has clearly taught. Um, Got you. The Bible, Jesus said in the book of Revelation, I wish that you were either hot or cold, but because you are lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. If you're going to believe that Jesus is who he said he is, if you're going to trust in him, then trust with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, like the Bible says. Don't pretend. Jesus is not impressed. God is not impressed by your pretending. God is not mocked. He knows if you're real or not. Oh, and yeah. You don't mess with him. You know, it, it will be, I'll tell you, it will be better for you in the long run, in eternity, if you, obviously the best is if you trust in, in, in Jesus Christ alone. Mm-hmm. But I would rather, I have a whole lot more respect for an honest disbeliever than a dishonest, quote, believer who says they're a Christian and rejects 90% of what the Bible actually teaches. Wow. That's what it comes down to is the, the, the do you accept the word of God as authoritative mm-hmm. or do you think you can reinterpret it? It's a, it's a living, breathing, progressive view of the Bible. Progressive Christianity is what the, the buzzword nowadays that if someone embraces uh, alternative lifestyles that the Bible condemns and actually puts people in church leadership who celebrate those lifestyles, then you have no respect for the Word of God if you're going to do that. You might, you're might you just rewriting, trying to make Christianity in your own image. Yeah, yeah. So we got to uphold the Word of God. The, the Bible is it does speak harshly about churches that compromise in that area. Have yeah. there been b- biblical teachings that have been reinterpreted and um, accepted differently since they were first written? I mean, I don't know if th- does that make sense? Have there been rules that we've kind of bent and changed around now that are significantly different than they were when they were written? Does that make sense? Depends on what the church tradition is you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. In some churches, def- vastly, but in yeah. a lot of churches, not signif- not huge significance. Whether you drink uh, grape juice or wine for the communion or the okay. Eucharist right. is not a big issue. Whether you paint the ceiling mm-hmm. of the church black for AV effect or have, you know, yeah, what color you, the carpet is. Those those yeah. kinds of things don't really make a difference. Yeah, whether you use drums and electric guitars or an organ or sing without instruments, okay. uh-huh. it's secondary issues. I would say maybe a part of your question, is there anything new that the church teaches now that it didn't used to teach? Okay, all right. Uh, there's a saying, if it's new, it's not true. If it's true, it's not new. In other words, the truth is eternal. The truth stays true. Um, now, the packaging of how we present the truth, like Dan and I use paintings to help mm. illustrate these truths, and we can come up with new paintings, yeah. but we're not going to change the essential truths of the gospel. Mm-mm. Once you compromise on the essentials, like what's necessary for salvation, that's where we have an issue. Yeah, yeah. So when we were talking in the last half hour about Calvinism versus Arminianism versus other extremes or modern positions on that free will discussion um, there's you can be saved and believe a variety of different things mm-hmm. but you can't be saved and believe that Elvis is Jesus or <laughs> that yeah. everything is God 
And and I think that's you know I think people need to watch out for that when they say God is everything. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's the right thing to say, but like one of you said, you you're kind of headed down this slippery road of idol worshiping. Yes, yeah? yes. And that's you know there's no doubt that's the wrong thing to do. Correct. And I think it's good to get yourself out of the habit of saying things like that, so that you do draw the distinction. No, these, there's God, and then there are his creations, yeah. which we are one of, and the mountains are one of, and the trees mm-hmm. are one. Those are all his creations, but that is evidence of God. They're two yeah. different things. That's evidence. That's God. Those are his creations. That's God. Yeah. Those he's special. Things. He's unique. He is. And that's is. that's why he's so, he's worth worshiping. Yeah. I would want to encourage people, and, and Brent knows this about me, I, I, I try to be very specific with the words and descriptions that I use. And I think a lot of people, when they talk about God being in everything, they may even have the right intentions. They're talking about God's imminence, that he's, right. that he's in, in a sense, he is spiritually everywhere at once, but it's really easy to get that mixed up yes. with, you know, God is the rock and God is the tree and God is the animal. No, 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 no. He created all those things. He has access to all those things everywhere all at once, but he is separate from those things. There is a distinction. Yeah, really and I, I, I think like you're saying, I think it's right-minded for them to, to think that, but it's a, there's a really a, a significant distinction, yeah. and it's you should not go careful. down that road. Yeah. If, you, if you look on the atomic level, really, what is matter? And you have a nu- the nucleus, and then the, the I'm not a scientist, so <laughs> but, but there's you know if you look at that level, there's all this space around the stuff. Mm-hmm. So there there's per- there's there's plenty of room within the creation for there to be a spiritual dimension. You don't have to equate the spiritual with the physical. Those are two distinct yeah, they are. natures. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ha- we're running into the last quarter of the uh, of the show, you guys. Is there anything that you really want to get off your chest? Anything that you want to let people know about? Daniel, you've been out at Christmas in the Park lately, mm-hmm. yes? Are you going to be have, there again this I week? Have. I am going to be there again this week and next week, um, Wednesday oh. through Friday for sure. Both next weeks. week after Christmas you're going to be after there? After Christmas. Oh. oh, yeah, I'm going to be there. Um, Christmas in the Park. For those of you who don't know, big Christmas festival downtown San Jose. It's been going on for decades. It's uh, They've got all kinds of animatronic decorations and big you know, lighted Christmas trees put up by different local organizations and they'll have live music and they have carnival rides and they've got food and they've got all kinds of, it's, it's a great place to go and hang out with the family. But um, I will be there in the Free Speech area, which is at the corner of Market Street and San Carlos. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll be there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, this weekend, next week, and it's open all the way through New Year's Day. I'll be there this Friday as well. That's so right. You, oh, really? You want to mm-hmm. meet both of us. This Friday is the time to come. It is. There'll be a ton of people there, I understand. Oh, it's I went crazy busy, yeah. So, yeah, come, come meet us there. Come meet us uh, in Capitola on the third Sunday of January. Oh. Keep in touch, guys. I'm going to miss these, these I know, times. right? You can get yeah. emotional again. So how do we get a hold of you guys after uh, after the first? Because that's when things are going to change. Yeah. So you can email dwellontruth at Gmail. Mm-hmm. You can email oacnorcal at Gmail. And those are our websites, mm-hmm. dwellontruth.org, oacnorcal.org. Yes. And uh, we're on Facebook, Daniel Bodwin, Brenton Powers. Mm-hmm. And we're around town. We'll, yeah. We we post our schedule so you can see where we're doing outreaches and come join us if you're mm-hmm. a Christian and want to see how to share your faith w- in the world, in the, in the public square. We'd love to hopefully set a good example for you. And uh, 
we're growing in that area too though so we'd love to meet you in person at yes. any one of our outreaches yes yeah so yeah we're more we're about more than just um preaching the gospel if you're a christian we want to encourage you to share your faith as well so please do reach out uh, you brought me here a Christmas quiz list. This is from all of us at Calvary Chapel, Yuba City. Where is Yuba City? It's an hour north of Sacramento. I've been going there twice a month. It's okay. a great church. Yeah. Good so teaching are these online. are these riddles or are these jokes? What are these? It's just trivia to get you in the Christmas mindset. We've all already right. gone through some of these in our conversation today, yeah. <laughs> but it's a way of leading to sharing the good news of the Christmas message. Mm-hmm. You know, One thing we try to do as as Christians and, and evangelists is start with a natural move to the spiritual. You know, how are you going to connect with people who are walking, in, are walking around with no thought of God on their mind? How do you start a conversation with a complete stranger? Things like quizzes, gospel tracts, the paint board we use are all with that in mind. Yeah. Did you want to highlight some of those questions? Well, I see some here. Let me see. What is the name of the horse in the song Jingle Bells? <laughs> Bobtail. No. Bells on Bobtail ring. That's no. No, That's what you guys were talking about? We were having... Uh, <laughs> the, the horse is not Bob. What is the Bobtail? I, I, I came in at the last part of that yeah, conversation. Yeah, yeah. And started to, yeah, they, so. they, would, they would bob the tail of the horses or cut the horse tails a little bit short so they wouldn't get tangled up in the reins when they were pulling a sleigh. Oh. So... I think it's like you name every one of your cartoon characters you draw. It's Bob. That's it. that's always that the is, default that name. That is true. Right? <laughs> Whenever there's a character so, in one of my sketches, yeah. So do we not know the name of the horse in the song Jingle Bell? No. They, don't. There, oh, there's a debate. Goodness. It's out there's for debate. debate. Christians, yeah. Good Christians can disagree on that. That's oh. right. It, it, it's getting almost <laughs> as anxious as Christianity versus or Calvinism versus uh. Arminianism. It's bad. What popular Christmas song, let me ask Kevin, what popular Christmas song actually was written for Thanksgiving? Oh, that's a good one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Which popular Christmas song was Jingle actually? Bells. Yeah. Did I Jingle guess Bells. that right? Yeah, you got it right, dude. Good job, good. Kevin. Oh, wow, what a guess. Good guess. That's kind of weird. Written for Thanksgiving? Well, it makes sense. Hey, Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells. It does. I don't even know the lyrics, so I just keep repeating Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells all the way. Batman hey. smells. <laughs> that's not... But it that's... doesn't talk at all about Christmas specifically. In no, that it song. doesn't. I guess yeah. it doesn't, huh? Um... Uh, let's see. You're probably going to guess this one, Kevin. Which product was the first to feature the traditional image of Santa Claus in red clothes? What product? Mm-hmm. Coca-Cola. Yeah, Coca-Cola. Good, Good old yes. Coca-Cola. How about number seven? That's an easy one. Is it? Dan has some facts about, about number seven. Can I read it? Yeah, yeah. What is the name of the real Santa Claus, and where did he live? St. Nicholas. Yep. Where did he live? He, he, I want to say Europe, but I don't know exactly yeah. where. Turkey. Oh, really? Turkey. Okay. Actually, Turkey. Turkey. Yeah. Not the North Pole, folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was a real St. Nicholas, who was a Christian bishop, lived about 200 to 250 years after Jesus died and rose. Wow. And uh, yeah, some really interesting stuff about him. So, I mean, people, you know, the people that say, ah, oh, it's all pagan. All the origins of Christmas are pagan. No, it's. It started with real people and real events and kind of picked up bits of paganism here and there as it came to our modern times. But, yeah, he was a, he was a, a bishop. His parents were Christian and very successful traders back when it was still illegal to be a Christian. Um, he was an only child and um, inherited their fortune and gave all of it away. Um, one of the, the traditions of gift-giving comes from, from him. 
Um, he had a family in his town where the, the father had three daughters, and he was worried that they were going to have to go into prostitution in order to survive because they had no dowries. Wow. So he went to the house you know, at nighttime when nobody was around and took a bag of gold and threw it through the window. And dad picked it up and said, oh, I have a dowry for my oldest daughter. So got her married off. He waited a little while, did it again. And sure enough, you know, went. Now he had a dowry for the second daughter. And then when he did it for the third daughter, um, the dad caught him. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yeah, caught him and said, thank you so much for doing this. And he said, you're welcome. Please just don't tell anybody who did this. So, of course, dad went out and told everybody who did this. And And then the tradition, the legend kind of started from there. So. Wow, that's a good story. I yeah, like that. Yeah. Of course, when it got to America, you know, they uh, decided to put a red suit on a man, fatten him up, and yeah. you know, sell all kinds of products under his name. Yeah, exactly. Well, was he skinny, Saint Nicholas? I don't know. It, it, we don't. Know. It, it, we don't. We don't know. But I mean, some of the stuff you can kind of see where the traditions came. So the gift giving came from there. He would wear a red bishop's robe, and that's why his his clothes are red. Some of the other stuff, like. Um, um, yeah, Chris Kringle, mm-hmm. which is interesting. When Martin Luther, who was a Calvinist, huh? see where I brought that in? <laughs> no, he wasn't. Was he? <laughs> yes, he was. Martin Luther, anyway, did not like the Catholic tradition, so he kind of tried to change it to go away from celebrating um, the 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 festival of Saint Nicholas, which was on um, December sixth. Luther so he was did. also anti-Semite. Ooh. Yeah, there were problems there. He he had some he had some issues, um, but so he did this other festival um, called uh, named after the Christ Child, and mm. so it um, Christkindle was what they called it, mm. which was uh, modified into Chris Kringle, which is one of the words, one of the names that we used for Santa Claus. So Chris Kringle actually comes from um, Christ Child. So mm. is there a problem with? With, uh, I don't want to say worshiping because that's not, there would be a problem with that. Is Mm -hmm. there a problem with promoting the idea of Santa Claus during what should be the time of, you know, uh, believing in? I would say remembering the real Saint Nicholas and who he was and what he did, fine. Um, teaching your children, and, and this, once again, this is an area of, it's secondary, but I have strong convictions in this area. Um, I would say my, my children never believed in Santa Claus, in the <gasps> magical Santa Claus. Um, we joked about it. Mm-hmm. You know, we watched the movies. We enjoy the movies. Their their fantasy, their entertainment, it's okay. Um, but, yeah, it's, you know, I would rather focus on the reality of Christ than the imaginary fat guy in the red white suit do either one of any one of you guys you kevin uh brenton daniel have a problem with movies that promote magic or the occult i have in the past i didn't let my kids watch harry potter until recently because mm-hmm. someone told me that was about magic in the bible there's a story where people take their magic books and they burn them and the value of them was a great treasure personally uh, i i shy away from that type of stuff but they're older now so they they, they get this you know it's fiction did you let them watch like Rudolph and the Christmas specials and all yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I had a friend in high school that was into black magic 
and it mm. was very evil and he saw demons and it was it was dark so i just at that point i decided i'm going to follow christ i don't really want to give the devil any more attention than he already commands mm. we need to have discernment that's an important word right yeah a lot and of movies are teaching us pagan beliefs it may not even be called magic yeah how it's framed is important too because you get something like the mm. original lord of the rings mm-hmm. you know there's definitely magic in there mm-hmm. but of a very different kind i mean the you know the author um gerard tolkien oh as i believe he was a christian he certainly had you know strong christian beliefs or c.s lewis the lion the witch in the wardrobe i, I like mean, his, that his stuff was overtly christian in its symbolism so part of it is personal convictions, but I would agree you got to be really careful because there's a lot of stuff that masquerades as fun that ends up being dangerous or potentially dangerous. Even Disney's uh, point of a lot of their movies, trust in your heart, believe in your heart. <laughs> like that's We need to put, press the pause button and say, are our hearts really a reliable guide for what is real and what is right? Mm, uh, yeah. Our hearts can, the Bible says, our hearts are deceitfully wicked beyond beyond comprehension like who can know it yeah that's why we believe in god and not in ourselves because god is reliable our hearts are not reliable yep my heart tells me to do things i know i shouldn't do and we need jesus to save us from what our hearts have become he does save people he changes us from the inside out just to recap the whole Christmas and Jesus and the, the whole thing, mm-hmm. uh, we've got three minutes left, Brenton, so I want to say congratulations on your stepfather mm. uh, and his Thank you. Being, willing to, being willing to accept Christ. I mean, where, well, where is he at he, He's a theist. He's not yet a Christian. I'm still praying for him to accept Christ. I would prefer the word receive Christ mm-hmm. as his Lord and Savior because it's not like we're the judge and we get to accept him or reject him. If Christ is going to accept us on Judgment Day, we need to come to God on his terms, and that's through repentance from our sins, confessing we've broken God's law, and faith in Jesus that he paid the price for our sins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for not sure. only did he die for us, but he rose again from the grave, and that's the ultimate hope. He mm-hmm. was born to save us. He lived a perfect life to save us. He died on the cross to save us. He rose from the grave to save us. Us, and he's coming back to save everyone who believes in him and to judge a Christ-rejecting world. We don't know when. Could be soon. Could be tonight. Could be New Year's Day. Are you ready to stand before God in, in Judgment Day? I'm ready because I've received Jesus' forgiveness. Indeed. Yep. Dave? Uh, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> on here. that note. Oh, my, my speaker's not working. Yeah, on that <laughs> note, we're out of time, you guys. All right, Brenton and Daniel, I wish you guys good luck. You're going to be out at uh, Christmas in the Park this Friday. I'll be there Wednesday through Friday. So even after, is Christmas this weekend? Yes, it is. It is this weekend. It's crazy, isn't it? Oh, man, dude, I haven't even bought any. I bought so few. I mean, usually my tree is (laughs) overloaded, but this year it's just not going to, it ain't going to be like that, dude. Me too. We got other things to to concentrate on. No kidding. Well, but it's still going to be a good Christmas no matter what. Yes. And I think if you um, you keep things in perspective, the gifts don't really matter. That's correct. Keep in touch, Dave. We you love you. Brenton. We'll have you on our show soon. Thank yes. you, dude. I will hold you to that. Okay. Uh, I, I will. I'll be there. All right. I'll awesome. you guys Merry Christmas. Yes. Merry Christmas. Merry Kevin. Christmas, Kevin. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Merry and, Christmas to uh, all, and to all a good night. Can yep. you say a, a fifteen-second prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we've spent with Dave and with the listeners. We pray that we have been a blessing, and that what we've shared will continue to be a blessing. And we pray for every listener that they will come if they haven't already to true repentance and faith in you and that we will be able to see them in heaven one day 
Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Merry Christmas. I'm Brenton Powers, and you're listening to a special episode of Dwell on Truth. From Monday, give you highlights from our last visit to KSCO Studios. And if you'd like to give a year-end gift to my fund at Open Air Campaigners, you can go to oacnorcal.org slash give. Merry Christmas.